Well, hello again. If you have your copy of God's Word, if you'll turn over to the book of Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter 2, but only for a little while. As you know, we've just finished up the book of Ephesians. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I really enjoyed working through the book of Ephesians. Uh, glad to see it come and glad to see it go. Glad to start something new. But uh, I'm not sure where what all of you did for... Uh, in Sunday school, we have a different quarterly in our class than most of you guys have, but it was probably somewhat based around a theme of thankfulness. And uh, this sermon is going to be a little bit different in that we're going to read two verses out of Ephesians that encompasses uh, a lot of things that, that I am thankful for. And so uh, what I want to do in the next uh, few minutes is I want to share with you a sermon of thanksgiving based on, on God's word. There's a handful of truths. In God's word that I am incredibly thankful for. And I picked out a few of them to share with you. And uh, hopefully you'll get some enjoyment out of them also. And that when you go throughout this week uh, and you're thinking about Thanksgiving and when you're when you're mowing people over on Black Friday and you're mad at them, you can be thankful to God for uh, certain things that are biblical truths. And so when you don't get that toy or when you don't get that gadget, you can still be thankful for some very solid things in God's word. And then what I'm going to do is uh, is after I've, I finish the sermon, uh, I'll close this in prayer. And uh, Jonathan and Betsy will, will come to play the invitation. But before they play, I'm going to give you guys a chance to uh, maybe stand up and give something that you're thankful for out of God's word as well. Now, I don't want to be picky when I ask for things that you're thankful for, but uh, I want to try to stray away from I'm thankful for family. I'm thankful for church and things like that. And we all have those things we're thankful for. I want you to talk about uh, characteristics of God that you may be thankful for. Maybe you've been working through something in your quiet time and uh, you've just been overwhelmed with a certain quality that God has. And you just want to uh, to let it out and tell everyone how thankful you are for it. And I want to give you a chance to do that. Now, if you have just an absolutely incredible family or you're just overwhelmed about uh, how great your church is, you're welcome to be thankful for that also. I don't want to keep you from any thankfulness, but I want to try to focus on uh, on biblical things, uh, biblical characteristics of God that we're thankful for. Sound good? And so you be thinking about that when we get started. Let me open us up in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the many blessings that you give us on a daily basis. And Lord, thank you for this week of Thanksgiving. Lord, I pray that uh, as we meet with you this hour, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would convict us of sin. And Lord, I pray that you would overwhelm us with your greatness. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, just overwhelm us with your goodness. And God, as we as we look at this book of Ephesians and the, the characteristics that you have, Lord, I pray that uh, just every waking day would we would be thankful for uh, how great you are. I pray that we would long for heaven more and more each day. And God, I pray that the world around us would see that we have immeasurable things to be thankful for. And so, God, let that be our heartbeat. And Lord, I pray that everything that we say and do would be pleasing in your sight. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. You probably remember this when we went through it originally, but there's three things in Ephesians chapter 8 and 9 that I am incredibly thankful for, and I'm going to walk you through them. So as we turn to different scriptures, you're welcome to turn with us, and you're also welcome to just stay where you are and to listen as I read them, but I'll turn to probably uh, four or five different places in scripture. So you're welcome to keep up, or you're welcome to stay put and, uh, and just listen. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, 
and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. I'm going to read it one more time. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For the Christian, every day of our lives ought to be thanksgiving. When you wake up in the morning, your feet ought to hit the ground and you you are just overwhelmed with thankfulness. Number one, that you woke up in the morning. Number two, that you had a bed to sleep in that night. Number three and four and five. And they go on and on and on of just you waking up in the morning. You have so much to be thankful for. Amen. If, if you can get out of the bed in the morning, you have an immense amount to be thankful for. If you have a bed to get out of, if you have a house to walk into, if you have a warm cup of coffee waiting on you, some of you heat your, your homes with, uh, with wood, if you have a fire to go to, a heater to keep you warm, all of these things are incredible things that you should be overly thankful for. You figure the, the people who came up with the whole idea of Thanksgiving, as we know it in America, didn't have any of those things. And so we have way more than they ever had. And so here we go. Three things that I'm thankful for out of the book of Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. First of all, I'm thankful for the grace of God. He says that it's by grace you've been saved. And it's not of your, a result of works so that no one can boast. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are here and you have put your faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of the living God and that He died on the cross to bear your sins and that He rose from the dead on the third day, if you believe that, it is only through grace, God's grace, that you are able to believe that. And it's only through God's grace that you're able to receive that forgiveness of sins. And so God's grace in Jesus Christ abounds and abounds and abounds and you as a believer in christ each day that you wake up you are swimming in a pool of grace you see there's two words that we haven't spent a lot of time talking about since i've been here but that's grace and mercy uh, i'm going to give you a good definition of grace i'm still working on my definition of mercy i don't think i quite have it nailed down but grace is when that you get something that you don't deserve you following me? So grace is when you get something you don't deserve. And then mercy is when you don't get something that you do deserve. Following me? I'm still working on mercy. I don't quite have it nailed down. There's a little more to it than that. But in a nutshell, grace, you have the grace of God that's given to you. You don't deserve anything that Jesus gave to you. You don't deserve anything that God gave to you. It's a free gift that he poured out on us, not because you're cute, not because you're uncute and he felt sorry for you. For, for no reason whatsoever, you get God's grace, right? He chose to freely give that and make it abound in your life. And so you are supposed to freely receive that grace and you're supposed to freely give that grace out to other people. God's grace like I said, is immeasurable. If you think that you have grasped the idea of God's grace, you've only just begun. Okay? God's grace is something that you can't ever put your finger on. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 14. This is a very... Uh, I, uh, I told you to flip to the... Wait for it. Matthew fourteen twenty five. 
Hold your finger in Matthew 14, 25. Then go over to Luke. We're going to come back to Matthew. I wrote two verses down and I wrote them down in opposite places. I didn't think it looked right. Luke 23 is where we're going. So the grace of God is something that you will never, ever, ever be able to wrap your mind around. And this is one of the stories that always, always, always humbles me. And I always love to come back to it because this flies in the face of everything that we think and do as Americans. Listen to this. Jesus is on the cross and this is chapter 23 of Luke verse 36. It says the soldiers also mocked him. Coming up to him, offer him, offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now, there was also this inscription above him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Verse 40. But the other answered rebuke and rebuking him said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he, Jesus, said to him, truly, I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. The grace of God is so overwhelming and so freely giving that there is a man that is nailed on a cross right next to Jesus. He's about to die. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. You see, the grace of God isn't something that you can work for. It's not something that you can earn. It's something that that God and Jesus, out of a heart of compassion, they freely give you. The thief on the cross did nothing, nothing of honor in his life to deserve the grace of God. And he will inherit the same heaven that you will inherit. And it's only by the grace of God that he inherits the kingdom of God. And it's by the exact same grace that you inherit the kingdom of God. So one of the things I'm thankful for is the grace of God. And what's so special about the grace of God is you can't work for it. There's nothing that you could do around this place. There's no uh, magic number of people that you serve in a soup kitchen. There's no magic number of times that you clean up after the nursery. No magic times that you vacuum the sanctuary floor. There's nothing you can do to earn God's grace. Absolutely nothing. He freely gives it to you. And the thief on the cross did nothing also to deserve it. And God freely gave it to him. And so the encouragement here, the thing I'm thankful for is that you and I, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a religion that is different from all other religions. All of your other religions are work-based and ours is grace-based. You can sit in your bed and you can praise God for bestowing grace on you. You don't have to work for it. Some of you guys, I want to encourage you over this Thanksgiving, slow down. Now, when it's time to do the soup kitchen, start back up. But some of you may be in this mindset that you're, you're working and you're working and you're working, trying to earn salvation, trying to earn yourself a right standing with God, and you're wearing yourselves out. You're trying to spend time in prayer. You're trying to spend time in God's Word. You're coming to church every time the doors are open. Some of you got to just slow down. And just enjoy the grace of God because he freely gave it to you. And there's no way that you can earn more of it. There's no way that you're going to earn less of it. Having said that, 
when you have received the grace of God, James tells us that, uh, that the grace of God fuels obedience to God. And so James is going to say that if you have faith, if you have the grace of God in your life, it's going to be evidenced by obedience in your life. And so, but don't think of that obedience as a way to gain favor or to gain more grace, more grace from God. And so one of the things I'm thankful for is the grace of God that is freely given to those of us who believe. Back over in Ephesians, you don't have to turn there. You can go over to Matthew. Ephesians says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And not that of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so you've been saved by grace, and you've been saved through faith. Over in the book of Matthew, I want you to keep this in mind over Thanksgiving. God calls you to faithfulness, not perfection. God calls you to faithfulness and not perfection. He doesn't demand perfection from any of you guys. Some of you guys are probably wearing yourselves out day in and day out trying to be perfect before God. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to rest in his grace and he wants you to be faithful to him. Okay? He doesn't always demand perfection. If things don't always go perfect for you, that's okay. He doesn't expect perfection. He knows that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and he awakened us to follow him. And so when you were reborn into the Christian faith... Right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins, and then God makes you alive to the things of Christ. He knows that you are starting out as a baby in Christ. And he wants you to naturally grow and develop the same way a normal child grows and develops. And so he doesn't expect you to jump right on a 10-speed bicycle right away. He expects you to be faithful and to grow along the way. So I'm thankful that God calls us to be faithful, not perfect. In Matthew chapter 14... You have this account of Jesus walking on the water. So in verse 25, it says this. And in the fourth watch of the night, he, Jesus, came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He in beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped, and those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, You are certainly God's son. So here's the scene. The disciples have set off to the other shore, and Jesus stays back to pray. Uh, Jesus prays for a few hours, and then they've set across the sea to go to the other side. And Jesus needs to get across the sea. He needs to get to the boat. And so he starts to walk on water. So the disciples, they see Jesus walking on the water, and they begin to freak out, thinking that it's a ghost. And Jesus says, take courage, it is I. And so Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus says, all right, come to me on the water. And then what does Peter do? He gets out of the boat and he starts making his way towards Jesus. He starts walking on water. And then he looks around as when he gets close to Jesus, presumably he gets halfway between the boat and Jesus. 
Because halfway wherever you're going is always the hardest part. Because you've gone too far to turn back, and it looks like you've still got a long ways to go. And so if Peter's just like us, he gets about halfway wherever God's called him to, and he looks around, and he starts to panic, and he starts to sink. And Jesus reached out his hand, and he says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And so he doesn't scold Peter for his lack of perfection. He's not mad at Peter because Peter wasn't able to walk all the way to him. He called Peter to be faithful, not perfect. You following me? This is something that all of you guys could probably take into your life and apply it. There are probably things that you're doing where you want perfection in it. You're not satisfied until everything is just right. A lot of you guys work incredibly hard at your jobs and you're, you're sold out and you're dedicated and everything within your control has got to be perfect. Any of those people in here? Some of y'all are. Some of y'all are, are closet OCD people. You just don't want anybody to know about. But when things don't go your way, you start to panic when, you, when they're not under control. If, if pieces of paper are out of place or anything like that. But see, your Christian life isn't always neat and pretty and in a box. Sometimes it's messy and sometimes it gets difficult. And God calls you to faithfulness. He wants you to be willing to stretch out your hand and take his hand. Uh, he doesn't always demand that you be perfect or perfectly qualified in order to do something by your own standards. There's a guy named David. You guys have all heard of him. David is characterized by God and he's described as a man after God's own heart. And I told you guys in a couple of sermons before that David, despite being a man after God's own heart, had seven or eight wives, had multiple children from multiple different wives. He had at the towards the end of his life, uh, some of his children want to kill him. Uh, one of his daughters uh, has or one of his sons has an inappropriate relationship with one of his daughters. Uh, and then all these sorts of other things come upon David and things don't always look good. But at the end of his life, he's still characterized as a man after God's own heart, not because everything around him was perfect, but because his heart was a heart after God's own heart. And I'm thankful that God calls us to faithfulness and not perfection, because we all have things around us that we want to be perfect and neat and in a box, but they're not always that way. And to God, that's okay. He's all right with that. He realizes that this life is difficult and he just wants you in the midst of all of the difficult things to be faithful. There's a, a psalm. You don't have to turn there because I'm only going to be there a second. Psalm 89 verse 20 says this. I have found David, my servant with my holy oil. I have anointed him with whom my hand will be established. My arm also will strengthen him. And so you see the thing about God is that. David, when God chose him, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the brightest, wasn't any of those things that, are, that a leader or a ruler of Israel needed. But he had a heart that was in the right place. And he said, God said that he's anointed David to use him. And then the interesting thing is that God says that he is the one who was going to strengthen him. And so you need to be a person after God's own heart. And that you need to allow God to strengthen you to do whatever it is that he wants you to do. See, he doesn't want you. God is never going to call you to do something that you can do in your own strength. He wants you to be willing and open to do it. And he wants you to have the right heart when you do it. And then he wants to help you. Because if you do it in your own strength, then you did it. And he doesn't get any credit for it. So I'm thankful in the book of Ephesians 
that God, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so, number one, thankful for God's grace, that he's immeasurably poured out on us uh, because of nothing that we did. Thankful for his, uh, I'm thankful that he calls us to faithfulness and not perfection. And then he says, and that the grace is not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. And so I am thankful for the gift of grace. And this is where you're going to think that I'm probably going to go off the deep end. I'm thankful for the gift of God in his grace, but there's another gift of God that I'm thankful for. If you turn over to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 2, you may have never thought this before, and I'm not going to be able to explain this well, but in, in some instance, I'm exactly like a kid in a candy store. Uh, you guys all have children and you ever have your children jump up and down because they want something and then you ask them why they want it and they have no idea why they want it. You ever been in that situation before you ever had your kids come home from school and they're so excited about what all the other kids have and they want one and you say, what is it? And they go, I don't know. One time we took, um, we took Elijah. It was when these, uh, Beyblades, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but these, these razor things that you, you pull the zip cord and the little, uh, the little top spins and the little, uh, arena. And he was so excited that his friends had one. He wanted one. And we had no idea what he was talking about. We, we were clueless. We were like, man, I, I, I don't know what it is. But I said, listen, you've been so good lately. We're going to get you one. And so we take him to the store and we say, okay, where is it? I don't know where it is. I said, man, you're here. You're here in the toy store. We're going to give you whatever you ask for and you can't find it. You don't know what it is. And I was just like, man, I don't, I don't understand. He, I'm going to give him whatever he asked for and he's excited about it, but he doesn't know what it is that he wants and he doesn't know why he wants it. And this text is exactly the same way for me. And, but I'm thankful for it, even though I don't understand it. So the book of Revelation says, To him who has an ear, let him hear. This is Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. To him who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him I will give some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. And so, Jesus here says that there's three things that he's going to give to people who overcome. He's going to give you hidden manna. He's going to give you a white stone. And he's going to give you a new name, which no one knows but he who receives it. I don't understand any of these three things. But I'm excited about it. And I want them. Okay? You ever you ever go to uh, to school and your dad said, hey, son, when you get home, I'm going to have a surprise for you. And you go to school all day and you don't have any idea what surprise dad's going to have for you. But you know that you trust your father. And you know that he's always coming up with cool things for you. And so you you don't get anything done at school. You just can't wait to get back on the bus and to get home and show up in front of dad and say, okay, dad, what is it that you have for me? Any of you guys ever been there? Some of you have. Some of you guys are embarrassed to say that you have, but you have because you love dad and you know that he has good things for you. Well, this is how I am with this. I don't have any idea what the hidden manna is, but I bet it's awesome. Why? Because God's going to give it to those who overcome. And and everything that I read about God, everything that I understand about him from his word is that he is awesome and that he will sustain us through anything. And if there's something hidden that he wants me to have, I bet it's awesome because he saw fit to hide it. And now he's going to give it to me, whatever it is. And my prayer for you is that you also will overcome and you'll be thankful also when you get some of the hidden manna, too. Then he's going to give a white stone or a white rock. 
I have no idea where this white rock is. But if it's good enough for God to hold for me until I make it to him, I want it. I don't care what it's for. I don't care what it does. I don't care if it's a pet rock that I have to keep alive the whole time I'm in heaven. I want the rock. All right? I want this white rock. It's, it's good enough for me to overcome sin in my life just so I get this rock. Even though I don't know what I'm going to do with it, and even though I don't know what its purpose is, I want it. Why? Because God says that it's worth having and he wants to give it to me. You following me? And so I'm thankful for the hidden manna, and I'm thankful for this white stone that one day I'm going to get. And, and if it's not good, I'll break your window with it in heaven, right? But listen, this is somewhat of what they think the rock is. This is a speculation that I've heard, and I don't know if this is true or not. It seems that when you fell under judgment... Or when you were standing in front of a group of people to be judged, whatever the elders of the town were or whatnot, that they would vote in a certain manner. They would have light rocks, they would have white rocks, and they would have dark rocks. And the dark rocks would mean that the person was guilty, and the white rock would mean that the person was acquitted, or they were deemed uh, without fault. They were deemed not guilty by the court. And so it may be... That when we get to heaven, God takes our hand. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, but when you got, I think everybody was poor when they got married. And so when you got married, did anybody come and shake your hand? And when you were on your way to your honeymoon, they shake your hand and they've put money in your hand. Or you've ever been down and out and you've really needed something. Somebody gives you one of those $20 handshakes or $30 handshakes or however good of a friend you have, they put that money in your hand and you are thankful for it because they know that the lights are getting cut off if they don't help you. Well, when we get to heaven, God may give you a handshake that has a white rock in it and it says, brother or sister, I deem you not guilty. Come in here and partake of all of the great things of heaven. And so I don't understand the hidden manna. And that may be the purpose behind the white rock. It may not be the purpose behind the white rock. But I want it. And I'm thankful for it that God's going to give me great things. It could be that the white rock is a heavenly chia pet. It's better than all of those other ones that we've ever seen. This is going to be a really good one. But I'm thankful for the hidden manna. I'm thankful for the white stone. And lastly, I've got one more thing after this, but it's in another book. He says, I will give him a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. I don't have any idea what name God is going to give me. I don't have any idea what name God is going to give you. But he says, to him who overcomes, I will give him a new name which no one knows. And so you, I don't know your experience in high school. I don't know if you were a klutz in high school and you received a nickname from your friends because of all the goofy things that you did. I don't know if you were a, an absolute rock star at sports and you got a cool nickname because all of the grand things that you could do. But you're going to get to heaven and God is going to give you a new name and we have no idea what it was. What sort of name do you think that God is going to come up with for you to have? Is it going to be a name that describes the way that you carried yourself on earth? I know a guy. You guys are going to think this is funny. I told you for the last 10 years, I've worked with youth and college students. And you can get away with saying a lot more to youth and college students than you can to a group of adults like this. Not saying that you guys are judgmental, but kids are a lot more forgiving than you guys are most of the time. And so we had this youth leader uh, of the church that I just came from for three and a half years. And he would take the kids on an annual fishing trip. And so he would take them trout fishing in the, the closest river that he could find, usually a couple hours away. 
and they would set up tents, they would catch trout, they'd cook the trout over the fire, and they would just have a good time. But the thing about this guy that everybody, that all the kids loved is that they knew when they hung out, his name was Daryl. When they hung out with Daryl, they were going to get a cool name. And so Daryl, being an outdoor guy, he would give them all Indian names. And so the first Indian name that I heard him give somebody was Chief Trip Over the Same Rope Twice. What happened is this girl was walking to the fire or she was by the fire uh, and she went away from the fire to get a hot dog from the table. And she was going to come back to the fire to cook the hot dog. And so the girl, she leaves the fire. She goes over here and there's a tent and she trips over the rope, which we all trip over ropes when we're camping. She goes to get her hot dog, dusts herself off. And then she walks back to the fire and she trips over the exact same rope again. And so he said, OK, your name, chief trip over the same rope twice. Uh, they're sitting by the fire. There's this kid who doesn't have a name, but the kid is always passing gas. And so he says, okay, your name is Chief Breakem Wind. And so he would give, he would give all of these kids Indian names based on, now some of you guys think that was inappropriate to say from here, but you're laughing. And so don't judge me. So, so he would give them names based on the things that they did. And so I wonder what I do that God takes notice of that's worthy of me getting a new name for. I wonder what it is in your life that you do that when you get to heaven, you might not even know that you do it. But God is recognized and he's going to give you a new name, possibly based on that. Something to think about. Whatever the name is, I want a good one. I don't know if I ever had a cool nickname before. But when God gives me one, I want to live a life worthy of gaining a good nickname from God. And so I'm thankful for the grace of God that we don't deserve. I'm thankful that he gives us grace to save us when we don't deserve it. He saves the, uh, he saves the, the thief on the cross when he doesn't deserve it at all. He saves you when you don't deserve it at all. I'm thankful that we are called to faithfulness and not perfection. I'm thankful that I can wake up every single day and out of a heart of faithfulness, serve God. And if I fail day in and day out, as long as my heart is pure towards the things of God, he is pleased with the things that I'm doing. I'm thankful for the gifts that he gives us. I want the hidden manna and I'm thankful for the white stone and I'm thankful for the new name that he's going to give us, even though I don't know what it is. And last but not least, we haven't talked about this at all. Um, you can turn over to Thessalonians. Second Thessalonians chapter seven, and I'm only going to read one verse, and this is worth you uh, taking a look at later. If you watch the news, you'll see that our world is getting more and more evil with each passing day. The, the laws that were entertaining the idea of passing, the things that are going on in the world are just evil, 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 evil. Whenever, and, and I tell you, I, I don't get political, I don't want to tell you who to vote for, anything like that, but when I see people on TV, and this is both sides of the aisle in America, politicians lying and lying and lying. It makes my stomach turn and it makes me want to throw up. And I don't have any desire to watch any of it because it's all evil. Much of it is evil. Excuse me. Not all of it is evil. There are good people out there. But there are things in the news and there, there are people saying things that I know are not true. And it makes me want to throw up. And the world is just becoming an evil evil place. There's, there's all over the world, there's, a, there's an acceptance of homosexuality. There's a, a killing of children for the sake of convenience and abortion. And so there's all kinds of evil. And I'm thankful for this. This is in 2 Thessalonians chapter 7. 
says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Now, that may not make much sense just in one passing sentence. But the idea behind this verse is that when the tribulation comes, when the seven-year tribulation comes and the Antichrist comes on the scene, there is going to be unbridled evilness like has never been seen before. It's going to be a time unlike anything that you can ever think of because the restrainer is going to be taken out of the way. And so what this means is that whatever is going on around you in society, you watch the news and you just think things, one evil thing after the other. I'm thankful that God saw fit to have a restrainer in place to keep evil from coming on us, to keep an evil that is unbearable from coming on us. One day that restrainer is going to be taken off the earth. Now, you do your own study and you come up with what you think the restrainer is. But what I want you to know is that no matter how bad things get, just know that whatever it is passes through the restrainer before it comes to you. And that God is not going to allow too much to happen that can overtake you. Following me? And so I'm thankful that when I do watch what I think is the world snowballing, that the restrainer is in place to keep the evil one back until the time is right. That God is still in control of all things, not Satan. You following me? We have an incredible amount of things to be thankful for. So let me close us in prayer. And then after I close us in prayer, I'm going to give you a chance to, uh, to share anything that you may be thankful for. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. And thank you for uh, the faithfulness that you call us to instead of perfection. Lord, I thank you for the hidden manna. I thank you for the white stone. I thank you for the new name that you'll give us. And Lord, I thank you that uh, despite what seems like utter chaos sometimes, the restrainer is still actively restraining, uh, keeping evil at a minimum. And so, Lord, uh, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that, uh, that we have a, a like-minded group of believers that we can worship you with here today. And so, Lord, help us to go throughout this week being thankful. Help us to remember that you are the giver of every good thing and the author and finisher of our faith. And so help us to stay faithful to you in this time. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Do any of you guys have anything that you're thankful for this week? A brief time of testimony? Sounds good. Uh, this would be a good tradition for some of you men to start uh, maybe around your table at Thanksgiving. You look for good family traditions to start. Uh, nothing wrong with making everybody be thankful for something before they get to eat. Uh, that's, a, that's a good tradition to have. And then that's also a good chance for uh, some of you men to share the gospel with your family that may not get to hear it. But they're going to come to your house to eat. If you're going to come to my house to eat, you're going to hear about my Savior as well, right? You eat my food, you get my Jesus. That's, uh, that's the way we play. And so uh, let, me, uh, let me close this in prayer again, and then Jonathan will, will come lead us. Father, thank you for the many things we have to be thankful for. Lord, I thank you for, um, for every single one of our church members. Lord, I thank you for every single one of our Sunday school teachers and nursery workers. And Lord, uh, everybody that serves in any one of our uh, organizations that, uh, that our church has. And Lord, I pray for all of those who, who do things here. And I thank you for all of them who do things um, and who don't want to be noticed. And so, Lord, thank you for them. And Lord, so for everything that, that gets done in or around this building. Lord, for every family that goes out from here, Lord, we're thankful for. Lord, I pray that we would continue to be a people that are characterized by our thankfulness. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Jonathan, if you'll close us in a song.
One thing I didn't want to leave without telling you guys is that there won't be any service this Wednesday night. Uh, the night before Thanksgiving, we're going to take off. And so um, hope that things go well for you. And I look forward to seeing you uh, bright and early next Sunday morning. Sound good? You guys go in peace. Thank you for coming.